Hello, everyone. Welcome back to class. Uh, welcome to uh, uh, be semester two, uh, which is a spiritual doctrine. Uh, we are in session four, um, talking about divine logic part two. Uh, today, we are going to be discussing what it looks like to understand the necessity of Christ's death and resurrection. Part of um, our study time in our previous class, in our last class session, um, we talked about what it looks like to, um, to look at the history of the Reformation. And that was to usher in this look and hard look at the grace aspect and the justification um, of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. In the fact that uh, Martin Luther, uh, when he, uh, by the unction of the Holy Spirit, started the Reformation by nailing the 95 Theses to the door of the church, uh, was to usher in this time of what we call the Protestant Reformation. And the Protestant Reformation, the core of it, it is to understand grace and to understand faith and to understand that we are not saved by works. We are saved by the grace and the sacrifice of Jesus. And so, so that is one portion of it. So in this class, we're going to be discussing um, the necessity of why Christ had to die. Um, and, and that is something that is very key to the learning of Scripture and to the learning of what we now know as Christianity and us being Christians. And so the necessity of Christ's death and his resurrection. So if you have your manuals and if you have your notebooks, let us begin. So as we read in Acts 17, verse 3, the opening and uh, alleging that Christ must needs to have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus, whom I preach unto you, is Christ. The words of St. Paul the Apostle. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs to have suffered. There was a need for it. He must have suffered and risen again from the dead, and that this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ, or in some translations says is the Christ. Christ actually, it means anointed one. And so Jesus is the anointed one. The means through which the recovery of mankind was accomplished must allow for God to be thoroughly righteous in justifying sinners. That is the important part. The salvation must, must absolutely res rescue men from the power of sin as well as its defiling effects and guilt. If this was not accomplished, the salvation of God would have uh, no depth to it. And men would remain fundamentally as they were before, 
still in their sin. A power must be realized in the salvation that produces a new creation within men without destroying their identity as human. The purpose or originated by God must be superior to any attempted encroachments of the devil. In fact, there must be within the execution of that purpose, the thorough defeat of the devil himself and all of his powers. No salvation is effective that leaves the devil with all of his power intact so that he continues to overcome the people. This is important. So what is the hope of mortals? The hope of mortals is this. The purposed salvation must allow men to remain for a season in the cursed realm of the earth drawing upon divine resources and confirming in their lives the effectiveness of the salvation by God through Christ Jesus. Those who were once overcome by the devil would now overcome him, which is in 1 John 2, 13 and 14, which is your homework, and Revelation 12, 11, which is also your homework. The salvation of God is now is no is no stronger than the foundation upon which it it rests. Of course, that foundation, in summary, the death and resurrection of Christ, has impacted both heaven and the powers over which Satan presides. Heaven has been thoroughly satisfied, and Satan and his powers have been thoroughly defeated. It seems to me that it ought to be obvious that both of these realms are vastly superior to humanity itself. It is therefore in inconceivable that the work that satisfied God and frustrated the devil would be ineffective among those who take hold of it and for whom it was brought about. This brings us to our first point, which would be point one of four points in this series and class. Point number one, it is important, it is definitely important to realize that our main objective as humans and our hope is to pull to pull vastly from the hope and the divine resources that God has provided through the grace that Jesus gave in this process we see that of the divine nature has given freely of himself. Christ Jesus, according to John uh, chapter 1, was born full of grace 
and truth. John 1, 16 through 17. And it is out of that fullness that we have received grace upon grace. For Jesus came full of grace and truth. So the understanding that his resurrection and his death gave us this full ranking of grace. Then the mindset and the logic of God is that when this grace came into the earth, it had to be effective. It had to be effective in such a way that it conquered the power and the vastity of the arsenal of the devil, which is to kill, steal, and destroy, to bring guilt, to bring shame, to bring accusation. He said in his word that when this took place, the powers of hell were put at a standstill and they were put out. They lost their power, they lost their authority, death lost its sting. And now heaven stands in awe of the righteousness and the supremacy of God. That from the beginning of Genesis even to the end of the book of Revelation, the divine plan of God was to bring back for himself humanity. And to do so, it had to be effective. So the blood of Christ is effective in his death. And the grace of God is effective in the resurrection. For it took the blood of Christ to redeem us. And it took the, the life of God and the grace of God in the resurrection of Christ to bring us into new life. And that, my friends, is effective. So we hear now this point, which leads us to point two. The foundation by which the salvation of God rests is on the strength of the gospel, which is that Christ is fully God and fully man. This places us at odds with other religions because other religions see Christ as um, a mere mortal who tapped into divinity. So if you read some of the uh, writings of the Hindus and the shamans and as well as the Buddhists and many others uh, like them, those religions and even the uh, religious beliefs uh, of the Greeks and of the Celtics, they believe that all great teachers arrive to some level of divinity after their human life is done and over with. This is where you get the, the Noric gods and, 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 and Thor and all the rest of these. They believe that they were mortal men on earth 
but achieved godness after their heroic life on earth. This is not with Christ. Christ was fully God and fully man. In fact, the Word of God declares that he is Emmanuel. That was the prophecy of Isaiah. That he would be Emmanuel. He would be God tabernacled with us to bring us back to himself. So God made himself known in the personage, in the very essence, in the very name and character that we know now as Jesus of Nazareth. And in so doing, brought us back to himself under the blood covenant by washing us clean from our sins and then now giving us eternal life in his resurrection. Such a foundation that the salvation rests upon, no other foundation can be laid, Paul said, than the foundation that Christ died and was raised. So this is a very fundamental piece to our structure as Christians. If we are to understand spiritual doctrine, if we are to understand the, the place by which we stand as Christians, this is the very fundamental reason for the gospel. And namely, for our existence as believers. That we do not serve a dead Savior or a dead Lord. But he is both risen and highly exalted and sits enthroned and glorified. And according to Hebrews, having purchased our sin by his blood, he now sits exalted and his name is greater than any other name given among men. For there is no other name given, St. Peter said, among men by which mankind can and will be saved, except by the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Which brings us to point number three. Point number three brings us to this point. The need for the death of Christ is that someone had to have died. Which brings us face to face with the reality of sin. Sin is a reality that brings death. We have to know that. If we don't know that, and that 
is not a reality to us, then we will never really understand the power that the death of Christ brought and how it destroyed the kingdom of darkness. Sin is a real issue. It's an issue because it brings both physical and spiritual death. It brings a separation from God and from his righteousness and from his love and from his holiness by which we as children of God are being brought into relationship with him. You cannot be in a relationship with a holy, just, and righteous God and stay in your sin. You must become like him. Because God, the word of God declares, does not fellowship with sin. Not with mankind. He does not fellowship with sin. He cannot be around it. Just as light cannot be around darkness, so righteousness and the, and the, and the character of a holy God cannot be surrounded by sin. So in order to redeem us and bring us into fellowship with him, we had to be cleansed from that. And to cleanse us from that means something or someone had to die. The something is referring to the Old Testament, which was the blood of a baby lamb, a lamb that had not yet lived, a lamb that was, according to tradition, without spot or wrinkle. It had no decay. It had just been born. And some theologians believe that, uh, according to the writings of Leviticus, the lamb had to be between one to two years old. It's an infant. That's a baby. And so by the blood of this ewe lamb, this one innocent lamb, God said, I will forgive your sin because of the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin, the word declares. So Paul now brings us face to face with this reality, and he says, this is the, this is the proof. This is the opening allegation. This is the opening argument, the alleging that Christ must need to have suffered and risen again from the dead. There's a cause for it. And is to purchase for us salvation. That is what broke the back of the enemy. That is what broke the sting of death. Is that Christ took the place for us. He did not have to. He chose to. Which brings us to the Gospel of John, where he writes, No man takes my life. I lay it down of my own will. And in laying it down, he said, I will take it up again. So the salvation must be 
absolute. The work of the cross has to be final in order for man to be rescued. And that he did. Thank you for joining us for class. We hope that this was a blessing to you. Um, uh, the homework, again, is in the scriptures that have been quoted. So your homework will be um, Acts chapter 17, uh, verse 3. Um, it would be 1 John 2, 13 and, uh, through 14, Revelation 12, 11. And all the other verses of scripture that have been quoted as well, you can both read and go through. Thank you for joining us for class. We will see you in the next session.